This morning's scripture can be found in Luke 22, not 23, um, verses 39 through 46. If you'd like to follow in the Red Pew Bible, you'll find it on page 87 in the back New Testament section. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Julie. Also, again, my thanks to all of you who shared your talents with us this morning. What a gift you guys are, and what a joy it is to have you in worship with us. Thank you so much for your blessing. For those of you who also read the wrong scripture, you'll remember that in chapter 23, because some of you are also just wondering about it, it's actually the passage where the criminal on the cross gets into into the kingdom of heaven because Jesus says, then you'll be with me in paradise. I figure if the the thief on the cross can get into heaven, then you can forgive me for giving you the wrong passage for this past week. That's what I'm going with anyway. Uh, Again, this is a beginning of series for the next four weeks. We're taking down the questions you ask us about. And so we had a number of questions submitted. And over the next several weeks, we'll be taking a look at some of those that you've raised and reflecting on them. And today's question is not unique. It is a part of the pastoral conversation and part of the personal dialogue I've had with God most of my life. Can I know what you want, God? What should I do in this decision? Would you join with me in prayer? We come to you, God, asking for some movement of your spirit deep within us and around us. We ask it not because we assume to control you, but because we've discovered that your scriptures tell us it's your desire, intention, and practice to send it and release it. It's not your movement, we question. It's our ability to be sensitive to it, to be aware of it. And so today, peak us, strengthen us, let us listen closer to you, to feel you to know you, to witness you. All of this using whatever is possible of our efforts to your glory. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. 
So what is your question? What is it right now in your life that you wish you had that magical emergency call button you could push to say, all right, God, what do you want done? What am I supposed to do? Which way should I go on this? Do you have a question? Probably the more honest answer is, can you clarify which question you want to raise first to God in this moment? If only church could be that. Come in, sit through the sermon, have a wonderful anthem, and on the way out, push the button that a ticket comes out and says, now this is what you're supposed to do. Because over the years in my ministry and in my personal experience, I've discovered a deep hunger and desire for God to answer the question for me. What now? What next? What am I supposed to do? What job should I take? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I go back to school? Which school should I go to? Should I get married? Should I marry him or her? Should I stay in this relationship? When should I retire? And if I retire, what am I supposed to do in my retirement? Some of them are telling me to do this, and they're telling me to do that, and I wish I knew which I was supposed to do. And on and on the questions come. Is it possible in the midst of our questions to know the will of God? Does God actually care about my questions? Which ones are too trivial to bother God with? I mean, does God really care this year if the tigers go all the way? Yes. The... <laughs> I mean, there's some things you just know, but some things are less clear to you. And some things you were certain that's the way God wanted them to happen, and that's not how things worked out. Where's God in all of this? And, of course, you and I are making decisions of all kinds of sizes and shapes and regularity. We have those everyday moment decisions we have to make. We have those trivial moments like Broncos, Seahawks, Spartans, Wolverines. We have those big moments. Those moments that we know whatever we decide and whatever happens is going to change the trajectory of our lives and maybe some others as well. There were the big moments, and we all have them. How can we know the will of God? Well, I want to suggest to you that today I often have discovered to my amazement that when we come to ask the question... The focus on the answer is more on us than on God. The focus is about what am I supposed to do so that my life will go easier, so that the direction of my path will be clearer, so that the things that I really want so that I can live that blessed, abundant life that I've been yearning for, that the Scriptures promise for me, that that's what I get to have. And so I want to make those choices so that those are the results. And so as a result, we come to a God asking God to answer our questions and evaluating God whether God gets it right or not. In other words... If I make the decision and it goes well for me, that's a good God. (laughs) If it goes south and it doesn't work, then we begin to pull away and question, does God really care? 
Well, what I've come to believe is that God has not been the God, at least in my life, who has evaluated me by the right and wrong choices that I've made. God is not keeping a scorecard up in heaven saying, okay, Rick got that one right. Oh, got those two wrong. And right now he's ahead or behind on the scale. What I have discovered is that God is invested in my life, invested in our lives, invested in your life, and cares ultimately about them and looks at the choices that we are making as a connection around the relationship we have with God. In other words, instead of coming to God to decide God's will, to discern God's will, and thereby judge whether or not God is a faithful God or not, Perhaps it's time for us to take a look at the choices we're making, the decisions that we're making, and the discernment about what God's will is, not about simply the decisions we have to make, but the context of the relationship we have with God. Because the truth is, you and I will make right and wrong choices. Amen? We will live with the consequences of the right and wrong choices of our lives and the lives of others. Amen? That's an inevitable part about being human. And some of those choices we've made, we've been confident they were the right ones, and others we just made because, quite frankly, we didn't want to bother God, and we really didn't want God to let us know what God wanted us to do because we sort of knew what we were wanting to do anyway. And in those moments when I'm pretty sure about what I want to do or I'm asking God for what I should do, a lot of times we're asking God to serve us, God to become our therapist, our coach, to tell us what to do. And we evaluate whether they're effective or not by whether or not the decisions serve and please me. It's like having a lawyer or a tax consultant. How many of you are good friends with your tax consultant? A few of you. Most of us don't care. The only thing you care about a tax consultant usually is what? No audit. They get your taxes right. They make it easy for you. You get a refund. What do you want your lawyer to do? Keep you out of jail or make sure the, the, the legalese of your life keeps you from being bothered. What do you want your physician to do? I want the best physician in the world. I'm going to go to the doctor who knows exactly what I need and gives it to me and cures me, but I'm not going to invite my doctor out to lunch because I don't care about having a personal relationship with my doctor. I just want the good drugs. We treat God like a professional advisor. God, if you'll just tell me what to do, I'll be happy, and then I'll go on my way. And God is looking at the whole arrangement so radically different than that. God is looking at the decisions we have in our life to make, not about the individual choices, but about the context of the relationship that we have with God. Whether the things turn out right or wrong or good or bad or tough or easy, it's not nearly as important as whether or not the choices we make allow us to grow deeper in our relationship and knowledge and experience of the one who holds our lives, even God. That's what I understand to be the experience here that we have of Jesus in chapter 22 of Luke. This is a powerful passage. He's been going along in his ministry, continually trying to discern what God wanted him to do, and he gets down to this very crux of his life where this is really important stuff. We're talking life and death. 
literal life and death. He knows that the cross is looming ahead in the next 24 hours, and he goes into this garden of Gethsemane and kneels on his ground, on his knees on the ground. And of course, you don't forget, right? He is the Son of God, right? He is Jesus, right? He's got the hotline. And yet in this moment, he is fully human. He does exactly what you and I are supposed to do when we come into the moment of questioning. Tell God really what's on our heart and mind. Don't hide it. Don't lie about it. Reveal it. Lord, if it's your will, I'd just soon have this cup passed by me. It's all right. If you've got another option, God, I'd just soon not go to the cross. If you've got another option, God, I'd just not rather have that confrontation. If you've got another option, God, I'd just soon not have to make this decision, which is going to make me extremely unpopular with the people I really want to impress. All kinds of places we'd rather go, and we need to name them. We need to be honest about about that with God. Lay it out there. Jesus, lay it out there. The Son of God saying to God in the final moment, you know, I'd really rather not go your way. Because until you get that out in front, you can't get to what the real truth is. And here's the real truth. In the final moment, Jesus knew going to the cross had nothing for him personally that was going to be pleasing. It wasn't a payoff of going to the cross for him. He knew there was going to be excruciating hell. He knew he was going to die. He knew that it was going to be him suffering the moment. There's nothing really positive about this decision for him in the short term. But after he surrendered all that, he says, but ultimately what I really care about is what? Your will. Because he understands what's really mattering here is not a decision, but a relationship. The relationship he had with God. I will do whatever is necessary for the relationship with my God to be fulfilled, to be blessed. And that did not begin in the Garden of Gethsemane. It began long before that. When he began to intentionally live his ministry and his life out to serving the God who had blessed him, who had called him, and who had given him his journey. You want to know how the will of God is in your life? You want to know what God wants you to do? Yes, you can start in the moment. Any moment's a good time to start, but the truth is it's a lot easier to get to those discernment moments if you've been in dialogue with them over the years. If this is the context of a relationship you've been in for a long time. You know, there's some people that I meet, I'm trying to figure out, Try to figure them out, quite frankly, and try to figure our relationship out and try to figure out who we are to each other. But those friends I've had for years, you know the ones we finish each other's sentences? You know the ones I don't even really need to ask them about because I know deep in their heart what they're about, where they're going. Those relationships are somehow so much, much more seamless. Jesus is coming to this moment of decision in relationship with someone he's been in relationship with for a long time. So there's any question about whether he's going to come to God in the middle of this difficult moment because that's where he's gone before. For those who come to me and say, Pastor Rick, I need you to know what God wants me to do in this moment. We can struggle. We can work to discern it. The reality is if they've not known God, walked with God, been holding God's hand and knowing God's been holding all of them for so long a period of time, it makes the conversation much more difficult. You want to know the will of God? Start having a real relationship with God when the decisions are not nearly as important. But what is important is the relationship with God. And then when those decision moments come, 
You've got a colleague, a God who you know, who you talk with, who can engage with you. Jesus' question here is not based on ultimately what happens to him in the way in which he sees it. It is based on what happens to him because he begins to trust that God knows the long-term picture better than he does. The short-term, crucifixion, death, doesn't look too good to me. But it was God who knew about resurrection. It was God who knew that the love that was going to be living in that moment was going to be strong enough to defeat cross and defeat the death that he was going to experience. That's the kind of God I want to be in dialogue with. Short-term struggles for long-term gain, yeah, I'll live that out. Can we discern the will of God? Yes. The church has long time learned how to do that. And there are different models out there that you can borrow. There are some churches that will teach you, here's the way you know what God wants you to do. The single voice of authority. Do what your pastor tells you. That doesn't work real well in this church. (laughs) Odd that it would. Well, Pastor Rick said, but that isn't the way we play it out here. It isn't the way I would be comfortable with it. It's not anything you would accept because you've come to understand it's a whole lot more than looking for one person to tell us what to think or do or believe. It's a dynamic God and it's a dynamic process. St. Ignatius, one of other models, gives us a fantastic model of discernment. says when we have questions to struggle with, first of all, get clarity about what the question is. A lot of times the question we're asking is a mask for other things we really want to do. What's the real question you're struggling with? Then be willing to say to God, God, I want the answer to this to be what you want without bias or prejudice. I don't want to manipulate it or control it to my preference. And then do the petition, a mind that will see clearly and choose faithfully so that God would be made known. Listen to where God is moving around you. And then I love this. St. Ignatius is the one who came up with this first. You take out a manila and a, a legal pad, and you write the pros and cons. Literally, that's what he was saying. And then after you've done that, what's the preponderance of reasons of choice for God to be glorified by which decision you make? And after you've made the decision, go back to a confirming question of God. God, this is what I believe I'm called to do. Confirm for me it's the right choice. It's one model. John Wesley talked about the quadrilateral scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, using all four of those models of authority to help us get to a discerning understanding about what to do. Bishop Reuben Job took uh, Wesley's general rules and reduced it down to three simple statements. Here's what you're supposed to do when making a decision. One, do no harm. Two, do good. Three, stay in love with God. It's simple until you begin to really think about what all those really mean. But it's a model for you to begin to use in your own discerning life. And there are a lot of models, and I do not have time today to teach them to you. But you can learn them. We can teach them to you as the church. We do teach them in other rooms and at other times. But today I'm here to tell you this simple truth. Can I know the will of God? Yes, you can. Is it always easy? No, it's not. Is it based upon the decision I make and the consequences? In part, yes. But most of it is based upon the relationship you have with God. 
that is always larger than any individual choice. You know, I have made a lot of bad mistakes in my life. Amen? <laughs> I made some pretty lousy choices in my life that have affected my life and affected others. It's just the truth. I've had some good moments, too. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's not about whether I'm ahead or behind on the choices I've made. It's about where I am in the relationship with the one I'm trying to serve more than myself, and that's God. And so this week, I invite you to have the courage to know that, in fact, yes, you can know the will of God, and it begins today in your relationship with him, in your relationship with each other. I'm going to invite you, I'm going to dare you, if I could, this week to begin each day with a very simple prayer that everything you do, everything you say, and all the choices you make in that day will bring honor and glory and praise to God. That regardless of what happens throughout the day, everything in it will help you grow deeper in your knowledge and experience and love of Jesus Christ. Now be honest in those prayers. Tell God what you really want. He already knows your agenda. But then surrender it. And if your agenda is aligned with God's, let God make it happen for you. And if it's different, let God change your direction. But in all those conversations, and each day in the next week, I invite you to do this very simple thing. Let God be your God. Let Christ be your Lord and not your consultant or advisor or lucky bookie. Let yourself be this, the simply the one whom God loves. And see if simply by doing that for a week, if your life changes if your choices and decisions change or are blessed, it will be the first steps or the continuation of the many steps that will allow you and I both to live in fulfilling and doing the will of God. Amen.